you know, people say, oh, it's not your choice. These things happen. These, you're this way because of this reason, you know, and they rob us of our, our, our birthright, which really is choice. This is episode number 273 on the eight characteristics of champions with Aubrey Marcus. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome, everyone, to this episode. I'm very excited. My friend, Aubrey Marcus, has graced us with his time to come on and share some of his wisdom. Now, Aubrey is the CEO and founder of Onnit.com, which has been a, a sponsor of mine and a big supporter of mine as an athlete, but also they've sponsored the show, The School of Greatness, from the early days. And he has just a, been a great friend. Um, we, we work out together. We hang out together. I, I see him in Austin when, when I'm out there. He comes out to L.A. And we'll, we'll go hang out on the beach or just go out to dinner and get some sushi. And it's always great to connect with him. He's got a brilliant mind in business, but a great philosophical mind as well. And he hangs out with champions all day long. He's got a fitness company, and he's constantly training and hanging out with champions. So I thought this would be a great one to get ready in an early one in the year because I know that so many of you want to become a champion in your own life. I know you want to be a champion in your business, in your relationships. You want to have great teams around you, and you want to win in your life, whatever that is. Uh, you want to be successful. You want to be great. I know that's why you're here. You want to learn these things. So I asked Aubrey, I said, hey, put together your top eight characteristics of champions that you witness every single day from these top extreme athletes and break it down so we can apply it in our own lives, whatever we want to apply it to in our lives. So in this episode, we break down the eight characteristics of champions, how we get into a serious relationship with our body, what are the three or four rituals that most champions do in their daily life, how do you cultivate 100% belief in yourself, because I know a lot of you are always wondering how do you believe more in yourself, we're going to talk about that, and Aubrey's new book that he's working on, we're going to dive in a little bit about the philosophy of his new book. I think you guys are going to love this one. Make sure to share it out with your friends because this is going to be powerful and it's going to be very useful and helpful for so many people. And again, the show notes will be at lewishouse.com slash 273 if you want to share that link out right now. Nothing beats attending a live event. SeatGeek's site is easy to navigate, so you're able to select the best seats to see your favorite artists with confidence. With over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app on the Apple App Store. There are more than 70,000 events on SeatGeek, including concerts, sports, festivals, and more. Plus, your tickets are backed by a buyer guarantee. Download the SeatGeek app and use code GREATNESS20 to get $20 off your first purchase. Offer applies to new customers only. Purchase must be over $50. The promo code is single use and valid through September 30th, 2024. Get tickets on SeatGeek now. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. 
four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform slashing manual tasks and errors over 37,000 companies have already made the move so do the math see how you'll profit with netsuite back by popular demand netsuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks head to netsuite.com greatness that's netsuite.com greatness n-e-t-s-u-i-t-e.com slash g-r-e-a-t-n E-S-S. Without further ado, let's dive into this episode with the one, the only, Aubrey Marcus. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the School of Greatness podcast. Very excited about today. I got my man Aubrey Marcus in the house. How's it going, brother? What's going on, my man? How are you? Doing good. You're out here for a month in LA writing your book. Yep. Right? And let's talk about what it is, the, the overall principle of your, your book that's going to be probably not going to come out for a year, but excited to always learn about these. Yeah, it'll be a little while. I mean, basically what the book is about is about finding your ideal future, your very own, not what society says, not what everybody says. Oh, you got to be rich and you got to have this and you got to do this. What is your ideal future? You know, like what do you really want? And then all the tools you need to both see that and find it, then the tools you need to train for it so that you're ready to actually follow that path. Mm -hmm. And then the resistance that you'll encounter once you're walking that path and right. the demons that'll come up in your own mind, the internal and external forces that you're going to have to battle against. Sure, so sure. it's kind of like a personal guide to get to your ideal future. I love it. That's cool, man. This is stuff that I love talking about. So for sure, we both geek out on stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. We'll have you come back on whenever that comes Hell out. Hell yeah, I'd love to. To talk about that. Uh, but for those that don't know who Aubrey is, he's a founder of Onnit and uh, it's been a sponsor of mine for essentially three years. So thanks for supporting the show. For sure, man. A lot it's... of people on the tour were like, I love taking on it supplements and products. So people people love you. And um, it's all about total human optimization. And that's what the show is about. Um, you've got some new cool products out. One that's called Instant Alpha Brain, right? Yep. You want to tell people what that is? Yeah. So our, our flagship product is our clinically studied uh, brain supplement called Alpha Brain. And we basically took that out of the capsules and put it into a really, really good tasting, actually, drink mix so that you don't have to take the capsules. It dissolves instantly and then absorbs much quicker than the capsules Just as put well. it in water, Just right? Just put it in water and you have a drink that's not only tastes good, but it's going to activate your neurotransmitters and show all the you know, clinical benefits that our regular right. alpha brain did, which is memory, focus, processing speed, all things we showed in double-blind placebo-controlled studies. So... It's definitely a, a cool product and a cool way to, to get what probably my favorite supplement, what I got right here in this water bottle I like it. as I'm here for the school of greatness because I got to be I gotta be in my own greatness <laughs> here, like Lewis, it, and like Alpha it. Brain helps me get there. There you go. And if you guys want to check that out, you also have a new quiz 
Yeah, I, I like this. You were telling me about it. What's this quiz that people can take? Yeah, you know, we have so many products that can help optimize your life and a lot of information as well on the Onnit Academy. But especially with the products, it can get, you know, confusing. What should I take? What's right. the most important thing? So we developed like a self-optimization assessment. So you go through and you really try and narrow down to what's the most important things that you want to improve about yourself. So the quiz kind of guides you to that and then guides you to the products and the advice uh, that can help you What you most. should be doing for your body, your mind, yeah, exactly. your whatever it may be to optimize your life. Mm -hmm. I like it. And that's a free quiz, right? Like free quiz, yeah. Check okay, it out. Cool. So if you guys go to onnit.com slash Lewis, Aubrey said he'd put the quiz up there and you can check out everything else. Uh, again, onnit.com slash Lewis. So take the quiz. Let me know what you think. And um, we'll have it all linked up here on the show notes afterwards. Uh, today, we're talking about the principles or characteristics or attributes of champions. And I asked Aubrey to come on since he was here for the month. I said, hey, let's do a podcast about champions mindset because I want everyone listening to have the right frame of mind and rituals and habits going into this year. It's a brand new year. And I want you guys to be set up for success, to be a champion in your own life, whatever that looks like for you in every area of your life. Uh, and Aubrey works with, you know, Aubrey and Onnit, they sponsor a lot of the top MMA uh, fighters in the world mm -hmm. uh, of the UFC, but do you sponsor other fighters outside of the UFC or is it mostly UFC? Mostly the UFC. I mean, yeah. mixed martial arts is where we have our foothold. Of course, the yeah. partnership with Joe Rogan is is pretty significant, but there's some other fighters, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, some boxers and some kickboxers and different people that sure. support as well. Who are the main UFC fighters you support? Sponsor? Well, we had a, a long-term relationship with uh, TJ Dillashaw and then kind of more behind the scenes, we're supporting just really countless fighters, you know, yeah. who have maybe other endorsement deals that are paying them big money. But right. when it comes to what they're actually putting in their body, um, it's on it stuff. Like yeah. even Carlos Condit, who had an amazing fight last night, you know, we support him in every way possible with training and supplements sure. and, and different things. And, uh, so there's a lot of fighters beyond what we show on our page right, that we're right. supporting and then yeah. we're just interfacing with on a daily basis. Right. But you're always around these guys. You see them training, you see what they go through. And you were with TJ, TJ Dillashaw is his name, yep. right? You were with him for, he's been with you for a year or two, right? A couple yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. He had to make a business decision to to move out to Colorado and do a few things, but TJ's family, you know. He I mean, was training with you for. Yeah. And using all our supplements and, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to call him out here, but I would be uh, very doubtful if that was ever going to change no matter what's on his shorts. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, so, um, yeah, not only him, but it's not only the fighters. He's a champion too, he's right? A cha he, yeah. He he's the bantamweight champion. Defended it. Yeah. Uh, he actually was one of the largest upsets before Holly Holm defeat Ron Rousey. He was really? one of the largest upsets to win the belt. He was like an eight to one underdog against wow. Henry Brow. So I'll tell a bit of that story in there. And he's defended it since twice. Wow, that's pretty um, big. And that, and that really makes you the champion. You can't just win it. You gotta, no. you gotta defend it as exactly. well. Exactly. But the company was founded, you know, with a champion, Bodie Miller, as well, yes. who's been one of my longtime friends and and one of the most decorated skiers in U.S. men's alpine history. Olympic uh, gold medalist. Olympic gold medalist, world champion several times over. Yes. So a lot of these principles, you know, I've been around champions in many, many sports. And, uh, man, you can learn a lot <clears throat> from course. these guys. You know, I never tire of hanging out. I don't care what you're a champion of. You can be a champion of hopscotch. I'm going to listen. Right? I'm exactly. going to pull up a seat and I'm going to listen <laughs> to what you got to have to say because there's going to be something yeah. that I can learn and absorb. Aren't you working with the champion uh, racquetball player too? Kane Wasilinchuk. Yeah. I'm gonna, we'll talk about him. And, uh, Isn't he like 
hasn't lost in 10 years. Yeah, he's crazy. like he's the most dominant athlete in the I world think, in any sport. You know, he hasn't lost a match in seven years. How is that like possible? World. He's so much better than everybody. And I'll tell this even story the story too. Best, the second best. Game yeah, he's close. so much better than everybody. He can't even practice with people because it would only make him worse. worse. It would only so make him worse. by himself he practices against the wall. by himself against the wall. What? And I'll talk about that. And number five, when I talk about the champions that have rituals, he oh has a goodness. practice ritual. You know, because he just can't train with other people. He's get, too far ahead. Because the thing is, when you, tr- when you, you know, whenever we play games and you're a competitive athlete, basketball, what other sports did you play? Most basketball, basketball was primary, but I played yeah. everything. Volleyball, you know, martial arts. Well, you know, in basketball, yeah. as much as I do, whenever we played against teams that are worse than us, we played down their level. For sure. And we play against teams who are better than us, we'd play like out of our minds. Yep. And so, you know, as this guy... Uh, the racquetball player, it's like he can't afford to play down ever. No, iron sharpens iron. Exactly. You know, that's the classic rule in, in mixed martial arts and many other sports. And if you're, wow. if you're, you know, in there with a rock and you're a samurai sword, yeah. you know, there's only one way that that's going to go. You know, you got to iron sharpens iron. So. Amazing. So you came to, you came up with eight core principles of champions mm-hmm. from all the lessons you've learned from working with these top athletes. I looked it over beforehand. So we're, we're going to go back and forth on this to kind of, uh, talk about it, but I'm excited about this because I think everyone could benefit from this. So let's we're going to d- talk in descending order. Is that right? Yeah, we're going to go up, leading up to number one. Okay, and, and it's a loose order, but I do think <laughs> yes, that number I do think that number one is the most important. So we are building okay. towards. <laughs> so at least one of building them. towards something. At least one of them is set in the right order. Exactly. Okay. So these are the eight uh, characteristics of champions, and number eight. What do you got? And this is something, number eight is something that really, you know, talking with you is something that, you know, we both know is incredibly important. Yeah. And that's that champions have a great team. Yes. You know, champions are the tip of an iceberg and everybody supporting them is is what makes that champion a champion, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think it's good to mention that right off the bat because all you see these these names in lights and then you don't often see the dynamic that happens behind them. And when that team is faulty... You know, that's when you see these champions fall. Yeah. Mess and, with your mind, mess with your habits, everything. Exactly. Yeah. And it could be your domestic team. It could be who's in your, you know, nuclear family. It could right. be your coaches. It could be all of that. Your spouse. Whatever. Exactly. And I think we saw, I think we saw a little bit of that and not to throw anybody under the bus, but we saw a little bit of that with uh, Ronda Rousey in her last fight when mm-hmm. she lost to Holly Holm, which is kind of the fight that was heard all around the world Mm -hmm. at that point because Ronda is a great champion, has a lot of these attributes of a great champion, but there were some holes in her team. You know, her head trainer was going through bankruptcy right at the moment when she was, you know, in her final training camp. Mm. And then you listen to him in the, in the corner and he's given really questionable advice saying, Oh, you got this champ. You're doing the right thing when he should have been going, Whoa, change strategy here. You know, Holly is too good on the feet. So the team really let her down in a lot of ways in that fight. And you see the results. Mm-hmm. Contrary, you see someone like, you know, TJ Dillashaw, who we mentioned, and his trainer, Dwayne Ludwig, who's one of the best striking coaches in the universe. And you see how they work together and how TJ kind of latched on to him as his primary mentor and just absorbed all of that information, has a solid support team around him. Mm. But then we'll see now because TJ's moved away from his former team, Team Alpha Male, and he has a huge fight coming up uh, against Dominic Cruz without that team structure. So we'll be able to see, is that going to affect him or is he strong enough just with his coach to make it happen? But all, all athletes, all business people, anybody who's a champion, they have a good team. Yeah, I mean, you can't do, you can't be an entrepreneur and build past seven figures really on your own. No, it's kind of hard. 
unless you're like a phenom that's just getting like, I don't know, $100,000 speaking gigs a pop and you do 12 of those a year or whatever, then you're making more than that. But, you know, if you really want to build something and build a movement, you know, on it, you couldn't have done this on your own. You've got a team of however many employees now and you're growing every year and you're adding new elements to the team. Absolutely. To continue to grow and become a champion in your niche, in your field, to make champion products, things like that, champion information. Otherwise, it would be average. Absolutely. And it wouldn't be high quality. So, yeah, I mean, it started with the founding team, Joe Rogan, yeah. Bodie Miller, both champions, you know, Pretty in their sweet. own right. So you start with that and then you start to build your own internal champion team, you know, and we've just been improving that. We got 85 employees now. Right. And, you know, you get. You start to find the champions in their particular niche, the the general counsel, the marketing, chief marketing officer, the graphic designer, the you know chief technical officer. All of these people come into play. And when you get champions all in their own yeah. right, that's when you can really take it to the next level. Uh, well, I was having Josh Bizzoni on a few weeks ago, and he talked about how for years he was making like 8 to $10 million a year in his company for like 10 years. And then all of a sudden he jumped up to $100 million in one year when he decided to do a few things different. And he said, I hired the best A players I could find. And I didn't look for them in my city. I found them all over the country and we work remote. Mm -hmm. So he said, I looked for talent. They didn't need to move here if they didn't want to, but I just needed to have the best players. And he said, it's hard to win the Super Bowl with JV athletes. Totally. So Yeah. And when you're looking for these people, you know, if you are in that position, you know, where do the where do pro teams look for their players? Well, they look to the minor leagues. Right. They look to somebody doing the same thing, maybe at a slightly different scale, or they look to parallel teams and they trade for those oh, players. Yeah. You know, I think all too often we run the risk of saying, oh, this person's interesting. He could be this thing or mm -hmm. she could be this thing. And sometimes that works out and sometimes you get lucky. You know, I have right. a few examples of that. But more often than not, the people who are going to be great are already great somewhere else Train doing it. doing something very very similar mm -hmm. and that was something that you know tucker max actually when i was out to out to eat with him i was something he really impressed upon me and yeah. that's helped me in my hiring practices that's for cool. sure yeah so team is important get a great team this year uh make sure that you don't do it all on your own whether it's your health uh your relationships your business make sure you're building a quality team and you don't need to build a super te a team that fast it can be one person at a time you know make sure you go at your own pace but build a team around your vision and your goals. That's what, champ that's what champions do. They find the right team. So that's principle number eight. Principle number seven. Yeah. Principle number seven is champions are in a serious relationship with their body. And I say a serious relationship because I think we often have turbulent and casual relationships with our body, <laughs> you know, where it's sort of like an arm's length, gentle truce where we don't really trust our body. Our body doesn't really trust us. We don't really know like what the hell's going on today. I don't know. Right, I'm right. tired. This thing is going on. But champions demand performance on all aspects and they demand like unified performance from their, but their body's got to support what their mind's doing no matter what's going on. And their mind has to support what their body's doing. Right. So I've noticed with these champions, they know their body. It's like, it's like that long-term 25 year, you know, relationship mm -hmm. where these people know each other inside and out and champions have that relationship with their body. And, and I noticed that when I started um, hanging out with Bodie Miller and Bodie Miller, you know, he does all of the different tests. He'll test his lactate level, he'll check wow. his ketone level. So check his heart rate, but he's done that so much, so many times he that knows. he's like a human biometric. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm pushing lactate numbers around <laughs> like eight. And I'm like, what are you talking about? dude? I'm like just gasping for air, you know? And he's like, yeah, I've been in this, you know, heart rate band of about, you know, 
two two hundred to two twenty for this, which is optimal for this. And he just knows his body that wow. way. Like he knows when it's time to go on a ketotic diet and do 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 this kind of. He does like a ketotic cleanse every now and then, and he's just so amazingly in tune with his body that it actually allows him more slack than a lot of other people mm. because he likes to party, he likes to hang out too. I mean, that's part of the Bodie Miller legend. But he knew his body so well. He knows when he can push his body in all aspects. He knows when he can take time off and when it's time to go because he just has that kind of relationship where he can ask his body, like, are we going to be all right here? Like, right. <laughs> how much sleep do I need, body? And body be like, well, man, I mean, six would be great, but if you got four, we'll do it. And be like, okay, body, I got you. Wow. you know? So they have that kind of intimate relationship. How can we start understanding how to have that relationship with our own bodies? What can we do? What tests? What, you know? On a basic level, so we feel like we have a general understanding, maybe some of these extreme things we won't be able to do right away. Yeah. What can we do? Well, it depends on your field. You know, if you're an athlete, yeah, lactate numbers are going to be important, you know, knowing your heart rate, knowing these different thresholds, but, um, you know, knowing different central nervous system markers and things like that. But for most of us, it's going to get a lot more simple, like knowing what creates those energy resources, what causes the yeah. brain fog, you know, so really understanding on a fundamental level how the input equals the output, what you're putting in your body, what kind of foods, you know, paying attention to like when you have that kind of foggy, tired feeling, diagnose it like, okay, what did I do? What was different? Was my sleep different? Was my food intake different? Did I eat something that perhaps caused the inflammation, which then traveled into my bloodstream and is clogging up my brain? Was my, <laughs> right. my digestion working too hard? You know, so the, really that's a, a big piece of what the total human optimization picture is. It's just identifying these different correlations between mm -hmm. the input and output in your body. And it can also be mental too, like what kind of frame of mind, you know, is best for my body because so much evidence is out there that mindset is crucial to physical health. Yeah. And Aubrey actually has a, an exercise we put in the, the School of Greatness book. So for those listening who have the book and the chapter on mastering your, your body, in your health, uh, there's a, an exercise at the end to find out what's missing mm -hmm. in your health to figure out how to optimize it. So you guys can also go through that chapter and that exercise and figure out what's missing in your health right now to optimize it, to take it to that next level. So, Yeah, our bodies are like cars. You know, mm -hmm. we got to look at them more just objectively. It's like right. if your car is going off, like anytime you're tired or anytime something's weird, think of that like an engine light. And then you're the mechanic, though, so you got to go fix that shit. Sometimes exactly. a doctor can help, you know. Those are like the master mechanic. But for daily maintenance, it's on you, buddy. You like you got to figure that. You got to figure this shit out. On you got to go make sure you're putting gas in the engine, yeah, the, the right type right of gas, fuel, the oil change. Exactly. You know, doing the everything fluids. you need. The yeah. everything. Yeah, all of it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So they have an extreme relationship with their body, right? Yeah, serious relationship serious with relationship. their body. Okay. Yep. Perfect. Number six. Yep. So number six. Champions are absolutely relentless. And this is something I've noticed from a variety yeah. of champions. We, uh, we live in Austin, Texas, and the world champion, uh, wake surfer female is there, Ashley Kidd. And Whitney's been out with her a bunch of times on the boat. Whitney's a wake surfer uh -huh. as well. And one thing she said about Ashley is she, if she's working on a trick, she will just do that same trick <laughs> relentlessly for hours wow. and hours and hours until she gets that trick right. And now what's interesting about that, obviously that's relentless. Most of us would get bored doing that same thing mm -hmm. over and over again. It's like you hear these stories of these basketball players that just dribbled for wow. nine <laughs> hours in a row. You know, they're, they're relentless. Yeah, yeah. And, and for her, not only is it relentless with her own time and her own patience, but you got to imagine she has somebody that every time she messes it up, 
has to circle oh the boat around, Imagine. circle the boat around, pick her back up, tow her back up. And a lot of us at that point would be like, man, I can't keep doing this because this is miserable for this other person. But champions know what their goal is and they, you know, they understand that if they have a good team, once again, going back to a good team, yeah. that team will support them. So if you're shooting hoops, you know, you got that person that will rebound for you until your arms yeah. exhausted and their fingers are bloody from grabbing the exactly. ball. Like you have the team that'll support that and you're not afraid to utilize that. You're not afraid yeah. to utilize your resources to the most because used, you got to be relentless. I used to run so many routes in the summer and just go hours and hours until it was dark. Running, yeah. You know, throwing 40 yard, having someone throwing 40 yard darts down the field until their arm fell off. And uh, that's kind of when you go to until they can't throw anymore. Yeah. You know, that's like your limitation. You got to find another quarterback to step in. Exactly. It's just this relentless mindset. I know, you know, Jason Ellis is another good friend mm -hmm. and he was working on this trick and he was telling this story. He's working on this trick where he's holding on to a back of a motorcycle, right? And he's on a skateboard and this is giant 60 foot ramp, right? Crazy. And his goal is to jump on the skateboard, then ditch the skateboard and jump on the back of the bike and land on the bike. So it's a skateboard to bike transfer. And wow. you can look it up online. And what you see online is the success of the trick. But what you don't see <laughs> is fails. all of the fails, right? And these are not minor fails because yes. he's going 60 feet into the air. And when he wasn't sure that he could get on the bike without tipping the bike because he didn't want to crash the of bike because then that's even more gnarly, he would just bail on the trick and then hit the ramp on his on his like flak jacket, right? Oh, so just slide down on his ribs. And he had like broken ribs, like a oh. busted ankle. I mean, he was just falling over and over and over, but he just kept doing it. You know, they had the cameras there, they uh -huh. built the ramp, and he was relentless and willing to pay the price in his own body and his own everything to get that trick. I don't know if you saw this video on Facebook, probably about a month or two ago of this. <laughs> it was like so miserable watching this, but also at the same time, this skateboarder who was probably not a pro, but I don't know. He seemed like he was trying to be a pro. Did the same trick on like this ramp over and over. It was like in a sewage area <laughs> where he like jumped from one skateboard to the next. And he tried it. I think it was like 20 something times and just saw him like hitting his head and falling over and over <laughs> and like screaming. It was so like heartbreaking, but then he finally gets it and like throws his hands in the air with yeah. victory. But it's true. It's like, you just got to keep, you got to be committed. And I think I, I talk about obsession. People obsess about it. You talk about relentless. It's like they are obsessed with doing it until they get it right. And it doesn't matter how late it is or what they have to sacrifice to make it happen. They are obsessive about making it happen. So yep. I think it's true. And a lot of people today, you know, talking about entrepreneurship, I get emails a lot from people saying, well, how do I make this happen? I'm not getting the results I want. It's because they're not relentless or obsessive about doing whatever it takes, gaining the skills, doing it over and over until they perfect it. They're just like, well, it didn't work. And yeah. How do I get, you know, make yeah, money? Yeah, it's like it's like they go for the first attempt at the trick. Yeah. And it didn't work. work. <clears throat> uh, <Yeah>. duh. <laughs> you know, like every champion, you know, fails on the first yeah. attempt of the trick. You're trying a new move, a new yeah. dribble, a new, you know, a new shot, a new trick, a new anything, you know, you got to just stick with it. You got to understand exactly. that failure every time you fail, you're going to learn a little bit. Right. You know, so there is no failure. This is just the education process. That's it. You know, I love how long it. that takes. I love it. That's number 6. Okay, number 5. Number five, champions have rituals. Yes. And this to me, you know, we talked a little bit about Kane Wasilenchuk, one of the most dominant athletes, maybe the most dominant athlete in the world in any major sport. And racquetball may not be a major sport, but it's enough of a sport to, it's to a, count. It's a hard sport. It's man. a hard sport. It's physically demanding. Yeah. And the dude just hasn't lost in seven years. And 
So as I said, he doesn't have anybody that he practices against because it would insane. only make him worse. But his ritual then, because then you would think, man, how do you even practice? Like what's what what causes him to, you know, what does he do at that point? And he has a very specific ritual. He grabs six racquetballs, brand new. He gets as many racquetballs as he wants. So it's not a matter of cost, you know. He doesn't yeah. have good spots <laughs> to get there. So he gets six racquetballs. He puts on his headphones and he puts on his headband and he comes into the racquetball court. And we have a racquetball court and, uh -huh. and on it. So I've watched Has him he do been this. there, done this? Oh, yeah. Wow. Many, many times. And he's like, uh, racquetball court's going to be out for a couple hours. I don't know how long. And he plays and he just hits corner shots full speed and practice serves until all six balls are popped. Oh, my goodness. He does not stop until all six balls are popped. So sometimes that takes two hours. You know, yeah. sometimes that takes four hours. But he will not leave that court until all six racquetballs are popped. And that's his practice session. He just comes out dripping sweat. You know, after and, and watching him just hit the same shot, bang, and again it goes back to relentless, bang, oh corner, goodness. bang, corner, kill, 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 same thing over and over again, till all the balls are popped. Then he walks out, big smile on his face, <laughs> like, all right, practice is over for today. It's insane, man. It's insane. It's unbelievable. You'd think other athletes in racquetball would start trying the same thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the that's the thing that separates though. Like would would you be really willing to do that for 4 hours a day with by you yourself? Know, by yourself. There's Isolated. not that much money in the sport either, you know. I mean, he's, he's not like he's doing well cuz he's the, the best, best of the best, but yeah. you know, you really have to want it and you really have to create some kind of ritual that'll get you there. And you know, I think a lot of athletes, every athlete has these certain rituals, these certain things. I was no champion in the, in the grand scheme by anything in any means of basketball, but I had a, I had a good career, particularly uh -huh. in high school and got a lot of honors. And I remember I had even a little ritual where I would not, if I touched a ball, if I touched the ball, I wouldn't leave the court until I hit three, three pointers in a row. Like I would just wouldn't do it. It was like, mm -hmm. that was my ritual. And so what ended up happening is, you know, through sophomore and senior year, I was one of the best three point shooters in central Texas. Mm -hmm. That ritual created a result. And it was just like this, this thing, this code that I didn't break. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of these rituals. It's you don't have to think about it anymore. There's no mental fatigue associated with it. It's like, right. oh, okay, now it's the three three-pointers. That's what I got to do so I yeah. can leave this court. I don't care how hungry or thirsty or, you know, some girl I'm supposed to meet. Like, right, it doesn't right. matter. I don't break the ritual. Exactly. You know, Kane doesn't leave the court until the balls are busted. It's crazy. You know, so I think that's an important attribute of a champion. What do you think are maybe three or four rituals that all champ most champions do in their daily life that we could apply as normal human beings to get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you got to come up with like the most important health ritual for you for sure. You know, like what is that thing that you that you must do, you know, every day. And mm -hmm. you know, for me that's a it's really been a focus on mineralization, you know. So I know that every day as a ritual I'm going to wake up and I'm going to drink Lemon water with salt, mm. you know, like that's like Himalayan sea salt. Himalayan sea salt, mm. yeah, to get the mineral, get my mineralization, really? mineralization and alkalization going at the start of the day, and that becomes like a health ritual. And and I think all athletes will have their kind of specific thing, and all entrepreneurs, everybody who really wants performance, have something where they know that that's how they're going to get things going. Mm. Um, okay, so that's one. That's one, I would say health. And I think there's certain practice rituals that that all of them have you know whatever whatever that may be you know whether that's um you know writing in a journal if you're yeah. in that or whether it's one of the practice actual sport rituals that that we have mm -hmm. you know something some kind of practice that's that you do every day i think right. is pretty crucial 
Um, but you know, honestly, I could do more myself with rituals. So I'm sure. wondering, you know, if you have some, some yeah. insight into some of the rituals that you do. I make them the bed every morning. Yeah. For me, that's like a must. Yeah. For my mind and like clearing the space. Energetic. Accomplish. I heard that's like accomplishing that very first task yeah, of the exactly. day. You know, it's yeah. like setting like positive momentum, going to that positive lean of check one thing off exactly. the list. And then keep it going. Yeah. I most days have like a green juice or a smoothie. Yeah. So your with health. Some, with some on it. Your health ritual. Yeah. Some some, some uh, hemp force in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My health ritual. And, um, and then I, my ritual this year, it depends when I'm training for something, but this year I'm committed to uh, working out for at least 30 minutes every single day and not missing two days in a row. Mm -hmm. So six days a week and not missing two days in a row. Yep. Yeah. I think that's crucial. And just try and, you know, you can kind of deconstruct this from your goal. Like what is your goal? And then what rituals will help support it? What are these infallible things yeah, that you exactly. just don't break and you just don't think about them anymore? Just do it. You know, and it's almost like, you know how much easier it is to work out with a personal trainer? Yes. Like a ritual is a surrogate for a personal trainer mm -hmm. because it's something that's just, it's inflexible. You know, right. it's the Spartan code of never retreat. Like, it's like this thing, it's this ethos that's like, oh, that's the thing. I don't, I just, just do it. I just do it. Yes. You know, you just turn your mind off, you zombie your mind out, yeah. you go somewhere else. Like, this is my ritual. Yeah. And that's super, super helpful because we're always negotiating with ourselves. Uh -huh. And if you take a few things off the negotiation plate, it's going to be a huge advantage. And I think when you tr when you learn to, to make your ritual pleasurable as opposed to painful, mm -hmm. then it becomes enjoyable and you don't want to miss out on it. Yeah. Like, I want to make my bed. I love the process and the details. Or I put the music on when I do it and I, whatever, open up the blinds and it you know makes me feel good about myself. Something that may be painful, you turn into a pleasure. Eating broccoli every day, whatever it is, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that comes with not a lot of the pain comes from this kind of resistance. Mm -hmm. Like, oh man, I can't believe you're doing And you're kind of negotiating the whole time. Like I recently had to go to FedEx to pick up a package, you know, and it was super painful because I had to go to the office and I was thinking about all the other ways that I could get, you know, somebody from my office to get the master sure. account number and have them <laughs> deliver in this. And if I would have just gone and just said, this is my thing, I'm doing this right now, <laughs> and not negotiated constantly a thousand yes. other ways that I could avoid this mildly painful thing, it would have been a lot more and pleasurable. You, you but instead, I drove yeah. myself crazy thinking yeah, you like- you could have put a podcast on and gone there. <laughs> yeah, or, exactly. Know, so and I, think, I think once, as soon as you take that negotiation piece out, that resistance, yeah, things become a lot more pleasurable, you know, even it. if they're innately not that fun. I love it. I love it. So rituals. Okay. That's number- Number five. Number five. So number four. Number four is champions master their mind. Mm. And this is now we're getting into really kind of important, important attributes that I see across the board. Um, you know, I, and I think one of the first times I got really exposed to this was, again, Bodie Miller, who's one of my longer, longer standing friends. And I remember I mentioned to him one time that, you know, I had a song stuck in my head. And he goes, oh, well, get it out. Get it out of your head. Get it unstuck. I was like. Well, dude, that's the point. It's stuck in my head. I got a song stuck in my head. Obviously, if I could get it out, I would. Right. And he's like, no, do it. Do it now. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, no, do it now. Force your mind to get that song out of your head. And he, and he stuck with it. And eventually, I was able to do it. It's hard because your mind is like squirrely. But for him, that was like one of the ways that he trains his mind to be in complete control of that mm. mind. Whenever any it's the, stuck on something, yeah. Whenever these, whenever these things that we think are out of out of our control, but they're actually our own mind, like a song stuck in your head. Well, that's your mind. 
It's stuck in your no mind. one put it in Who, your head. Who's in control of your <laughs> mind? You are. Like, really. And, and he, he takes that to the ultimate level. And he explained it. Like, if I'm in the starting gates and I have some thought pattern that I don't like in Fear my head. Or, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I give it the power to say, oh, that's just in my mind for now. I'm not in control. I'm not going to be able to perform my best. And that could mean death. You know, you're going 80 miles an hour down yeah. a sheet of ice. Like, I cannot afford to have my mind running itself without me being in control of the starship. Mm. So he is one of the most extreme examples of mastering your mind and just saying like, I am the driver. Yeah. You know, especially when the stakes are that high, you've got to have your mind. No doubt. Right. The whole time, one minute thinking about something else for how long is he going down the hill? About a minute, two minutes, two minutes, 80 miles an hour straight down with the curves and everything. Yeah. It's race car drivers, all of these different people. One moment off, you're dead. One moment or off. Or you break your legs. Exactly. Whatever. But, you know, even even in podcasts, you know, I've noticed it. Like, there'll be times where in a podcast you could start thinking about, oh, man, what are the people thinking about this podcast now? Or where is it mm-hmm. going? And if you allow yourself to indulge that, you know, then you're down this squirrely <sighs> rabbit hole where you're out of the moment. You know, exactly. So you got to harness that back in and just go zoop, mental override and just yeah. say, no, 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 no. We're in here. We're in the present moment. You just mm-hmm. choose the present moment. And that's crucial for anything you're doing in a meeting, right. when you're writing. So many people talk about, you know, how writer's block and these different exotic things that they do. But I think you really listen to people like Stephen Pressfield and some of the great mm-hmm. writers I know. It's just they just sit their ass in that seat and they write, you know, <laughs> it's like it. they just commit to it. All of these things in the mind, the voice saying, oh, no, do this, you know, maybe more check coffee. Your phone, yeah, yeah. Check your thing. It's like, no, 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 bitch. Like, <laughs> you're gonna I, sit you. I own you. Like, I'm in charge here. Yeah. You know, and that's that's one of the things. Another great example of that is I ran into um, champion John Jones, who's a light heavyweight champion or was. This guy broke his leg in the fight or whatever. No, he that was, was Anderson Silva. Uh, broke his oh, leg. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, John Jones, he had some legal issues when he was partying too hard and <laughs> crashed and got his money. I mean, anyways, but before that, he's a great champion, hadn't lost in a long time. And he was about, he was on the eve of his biggest fight ever against Daniel Cormier, who's now the current champion mm-hmm. uh, after John, you know, uh, let go of the belt. But anyways, right before that night, that night I was with uh, Joe Rogan, we're eating dinner and John Jones happened to be next to us. And John comes over to talk to us. And he was explaining something and he was saying, I've gone through every worst case scenario in my head, everything that Daniel Cormier can do to destroy me. I've seen him get on my, you know, get me on my back and grind me out. I've seen him hit me in every different way. I've seen all of the worst case outcomes and I'm okay with it. I'm at peace with all outcomes. Wow. And I remember that triggered something in my, in my mind because the old, the samurai had a very similar approach and it came also, you know, on the Roman side, the Stoics had a very similar thing called premeditation where for, you know, for the samurai, they realized that in battle, if they were afraid of anything, even for a moment, if they had a little bit of flinch in them, you know, that was weakness. That was an opportunity that their enemy could kill them. So they would go through in their mind, all of the worst case scenarios, you know, an arrow piercing them in the neck, a sword cutting through their belly and their entrails spilling out onto the front. They would go through every worst case scenario and go through it so many times that it no longer carried the fear. It was like watching, imagine watching a scary movie a hundred times. By the time you've watched that scary movie a hundred times, there's no flinch left. Mm. You know where, you know, when the monster's coming around the corner, you know, no matter what the music is, no matter what's going on, you've seen it. And so you're no longer afraid of it. Right. You know, and I think that's another way that you can master 
your fears, which is obviously one of the greatest detriments to anybody's mind is mastering your fears. Mm. Go through, go through all those worst case scenarios and realize that no matter what happens, you're going to be all right. Yeah. You know, and you, you know, that's going to release you from the grasp of those from fears. This uncertainty, the fear of it happening. Sure. So how do you get a song out of your head? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's really just boils down to choice. Mm. And I think so many, so many things and so many people try to, relieve us of choice because when when we get relieved of choice we're relieved of responsibility you know people say oh it's not your choice these things happen these you're this way because of this reason you know and they rob us of our our, our birthright which really is choice yeah. and at the very fundamental level getting a song out of your head is about choice it's just choosing like i'm not going to do that i'm not going to allow that chorus to go no 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 no, no, no. And it's like training a wild dog. You know, it's uh, like it's going to take a lot of time. But every time it barks, you got to jerk the choke chain, you know, and, and do it with love. You know, you're not yeah, trying yeah. to be mean to your mind. You got to love your mind. It's very useful. Yeah. It's a great calculator. It's great at making your personality. But, you know, you got to be a stern master that, that you know, has the respect of that wily force mm. that is your mind. And it's just about choice. I love it. Okay. Yep. So that's number four. Number four. Number three. Number three. Well, let's recap. What's that? Mastering your mind, number four? Number four. Champions, master your mind. Okay, perfect. Number three. Number three, champions are tough. And that's not just in games, but in practice. Uh-huh. And I think that's an important distinction because we've all seen you know, people get tough when all the lights are on and yep. everything. And, and that's, a, of course, an attribute of champions. But they're not just that way in the games. They're that way in practice as well. Mm-hmm. They're that way in training. And again, I got to go back to my man, Bodie Miller, who really you know, to me exemplifies so many of these characteristics because I've been able to actually train with him and see what he goes I've through. I've seen some of the videos, yeah. And, you know, he's not one of those guys that is in shape all season long. Like, you know, I, I met a lot of the other skiers out there like Svindle and these other different <laughs> monsters and they're constantly in shape. Sure. You know? Bodhi is not that way. He yeah. has a he looks clearly, like an average... clearly defined off season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because he knows that when it comes time to train, he will push himself so much harder than any other human being in that is that's his competitor that he'll catch up you know that he'll be able to make up that ground and then when things get really tough out on the hill you know when you're deep into anaerobic glycolysis your muscles are burning and you just want to lay up a little bit instead of taking all of that g-force right on your quads anymore you know he's tough enough that he won't do it and he's trained that through practice so I mean, I've seen him climb these steep, steep hills with like a 75-pound weight vest, and he sprints to the death. Like, he sprints to the death. Like, he, when he finishes, there's, there's absolutely nothing left. Like, retching, you know, he'll push himself so much into so much more pain than any other human being I've seen. It's just remarkable. Even if you have a coach just yelling at you, like, he will go that much farther than that scenario all on his own wow you know he will just he's willing to take that much pain and i've noticed that with all of these different champions from fighters to everybody else they will push themselves way deeper into that pain hole than than anybody else that i know and Mm -hmm. that's what's going to yield those amazing adaptations that the body can have so that when you need to draw on that you know, when you need to rely on that last, very last thing that you're pulling from the 
depths of your spine. Like, come on, <laughs> you've trained that. Yeah. You, you know, you've worked that and, and it forms this kind of toughness where, you know, in those ridiculous scenarios, you can just smile. There's a sports psychologist I've had on a couple of times, Dr. Jim Affermo, and I'm forgetting the name of his book. I think it's, uh, it's like train like a champion or think and train like a champion, something like that. It's up on my shelf somewhere. And he talks about the whole concept of practice as well. He says you should get up for practice like it's a game and almost calm down a little bit during game time. Because sometimes when you're too high during a game, it's sure. like you're, you can't get in the flow. He's like, you come down a little bit game time, you get up big time during every practice like it is a game. He said that's how champions really make it happen when they get up for that. So no doubt. I, I mean, it, agree. and then, you know, one of the famous things that you say in any fight camp is you make the fight camp so hard that the fight is easy, easy, Yeah, you know, and then you know, you can see it in other sports too. You know, Michael Jordan, a lot of basketball players would fade towards the end of the season because strength and conditioning, you know, had fallen off and you got all these games and you're not actually at your best. You're getting ground down. Well, Jordan formed this little group we called the breakfast club where him and Pippen would go in every morning of the game and weight train, resistance crazy. train. Like that's crazy to think. Like <laughs> you're in this skill sport where you're relying on touch. You know, his famous fadeaway jumper is all touch, and he's lifting weights the day of. Nobody was doing that, but it formed this kind of. It allowed him to keep strong throughout the season, so that when playoff came time came, you know, nobody could touch him. Did he? he was just did he lift dominant. in the mornings during playoffs too? Yeah, lifted every day. Wow. During during game day. You know, and that's just, it's a sign of just being tough. You know, most people were, man, me on game day, I'm nervous. Exactly. <laughs> I'm thinking about like what I'm eating. I'm like just trying to rest. You know, so take your out, mind off the game. Yeah, he's out there. there just pumping iron. Wow. You know, and that's, it's a sign of a champion. Impress impressive. Okay. Yep. That's number three. Yeah. Number two, um, champions are great students. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've seen across the board, every sport, every profession, champions, they're humble. And they're always ready to learn. And it doesn't matter when that's, where that source is. Right. You know, they're not so cocky to think that they know everything. They realize that they're still a student. They're always there to learn. And, you know, I've gotten to hang with Jonathan Taze and Duncan Keith of the Chicago Blackhawks. And they're obviously three-time Stanley Cup champions, a lot of individual awards as well. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that really impressed me about them is they're just sponges for knowledge. You yeah. know, we'll just sit for hours and talk about something for, for either mindset or health or, you know, and they're just eager and ready to learn. I don't know shit about hockey. I love it, <laughs> right, right. you know, but I can't give them any advice there. So for me, they're just willing to absorb as much information as possible. Mm -hmm. And they carry that along with, you know, the books they read and the information yeah. they're searching. And same with AJ Hawk. AJ Hawk, Hawk was absolutely the same way. It's a super student. Super Bowl champion. You know, he's, just always learning and yeah. always ready to do that. And, you know, you see that in MMA as well. Like, you know, George St. Pierre, one of the most dominant champions of all time. You watch the video of him where Joe Rogan's teaching him the turning sidekick or the spinning back. I kick. saw that video. And GSP is so interested in learning uh -huh. from, from Joe, you know, even though he's the, one of the greatest champions of all time, has an amazing spinning back kick. You know, most times you'd think, oh, this is a commentator. What is he doing teaching right. me about? But Joe knows that one thing really well. And he's such a good champion that he was able to realize, I'm going to learn this yeah. from this guy. You know, it doesn't matter that I'm a champion and he's the commentator. Yeah. He's got something to teach me. And I think that's something that you see just across the board. Yeah, that's cool. I love it. Uh, and they also say in business that uh, earners are learners. Yep. So the more you want to earn, the more you got to learn. Yep. 
No so. doubt. I mean, I, I'm constantly learning from every single person that yeah. I encounter, you yeah. know, and I think if the minute you get so arrogant that you think you can't learn something from someone, or you know it all, or whatever. you need to check yourself because yeah, you everybody do. has something to teach you. Maybe it's that something that, you know, what not to do is what mm -hmm. you're really learning, you know, but if you're observant and humble, you know, even the people who are the most aggressive online, you know, talking crap about you and attacking you. you learn something from them. You can learn something <laughs> yeah. from them. A lot of times there's some little kernel of truth that got wildly exaggerated. You know, sometimes it's complete nonsense, and I've certainly had that. But I mean, you can learn from that as well. But, you know, a lot of times they're your best allies. There's like a, a little bit of a little bit of truth there, Wisdom, a little bit yeah. of way that you, you did something that you could alter for the future you know, something that you could learn. Mm. And um, so just saying like, you know, you're never out of that position of being a student. A yeah. master is always a great student. I love it. That's number two. This is the this final one, the big the one. final one, the big one. And um, this is by far the most important. And you get this right, you know, you can, uh, you can achieve pretty much whatever you set your mind to. Mm -hmm. And that's champions utilize belief to their advantage. And I think, you know, in the great champions, belief becomes more than just something. Oh, yeah, I believe in myself. It becomes a weapon. And I think, you know, no more can that be seen than with Conor McGregor. Oh, my goodness. And it's really interesting. Amazing. It's really interesting with fighters because fighters is a one-on-one -on -one contest, you know, and it's a direct competition. There's not a lot of rules. There's not a lot of things in place. Just the bare minimum. It's not like five on five. Man. Yeah. And it's yeah. not like there's a ball that you're, you're, you're at war, but we're actually just trying to get balls in nets or <laughs> yeah. across lines or something like yeah. that. It's a lot more like just a direct physical primal confrontation. Yes. And so I think one of the things that you're doing leading up to the fights, cause you know who you're going to fight, which is incredibly terrifying. I mean, yes. I've gotten in fights, but I've never known that right. I was like, I got to fight this guy in this amount of time yeah. is we're, we're very adept at detecting other people's belief uh -huh. you know like we have great belief detectors because belief is such a powerful force in determining whether you'll be a success as a biological evolutionary advantage those people who could detect other people's belief certainly would have an advantage so i think we're better at that than we realize so when you're squaring off with someone and you have someone like conor mcgregor whose belief in himself is at flat 100 yeah it is at flat 100 <laughs> it's crazy like there's no wiggle room so you're coming in and let's say you, you're pretty good. Your belief's at 98.5, you know, and you're like, you have a little bit of doubt. It's just like a little tiny little bit of doubt, but that's usually better than, than almost anybody you see. So, and then you're looking over at this guy, Connor, and you're thinking, okay, where's your 98? Where's that 2%? You know, it's where's none. that 5%? Where? Oh shit. It's at a hundred. <laughs> it's at a hundred. And then it starts to get you to question more. And then your belief number drops and then you're down to 95, man, you still at a hundred over there. Okay. Damn. <laughs> then your, your number starts to go down a little lower to 90. Yeah. And then, then the fears start to creep in and then doubts about your performance start to creep in. But Connor uses that and he knows that and he uses it as a weapon. And it's not only against other people. He's so good at believing in himself. He tells people exactly what he's going to do. Yeah. That's why they call him Mystic Mac. Because he say, oh, against Chad Mendez, he said, within two rounds, I'm going to knock his head clean off. Well, obviously, that was an exaggeration. Nobody knocks a head clean off out of a video game. But yeah, yeah. basically, he's going to knock him out with a punch to the head, right? And what happened? Chad got him down in some brutal positions, had him on the mat, was bouncing elbows off his head. His head was pinned to the canvas. He's bleeding. What's Connor doing the whole time? Just talking to him. Just he like, was dirty. Just talking to him the whole time. Oh, is that all you got, Chad? I'm going to get up. I'm going to knock your head off. Wow. Oh, is that, you know, 
in his ear the whole time. His belief never wavered. So Chad's doing the very best he possibly can, crushing him ostensibly for all to see. But Connor's belief never wavered. And then they pop up with like a minute left to go in that second round. Connor predicted he was going to knock him out in the second. He's talking again. And what happened? The KO. Wow. You know, and, and even in, in the interviews, Chad's like, man, that guy never stopped talking the whole fight. So that belief just wore him down, wore him down, wore him down until finally the skills, you know, caught up and were able to, wow. to execute that. And I think, you know, getting that belief to 100, that's going to be hard. That's going to take a lot of hard work because you're not going to be able to believe. You know, people say, oh, yeah, what if I believe I can beat Mike Tyson? Well, you're never going to believe that because you haven't put in the work. Right. You're not that caliber. You haven't got of an the athlete. results. Or you haven't got the close results. to him or whatever. Yeah. So belief is a really good belief system is supported by evidence. And then there's that little bit of delta. There's that little bit of I'm a little bit crazy and I believe <laughs> this no matter what. And and a lot of that is that mental override, that ability to tell your mind like I'm not going to indulge any doubts. I'm going to do this. This is happening. This is the future. I am going to be a millionaire. I am going yeah. to have a best-selling book. I am going to start a company that's going to change the world. I'm going to do this. And just believing that. And, and it's a characteristic you see across the board from athletes to entrepreneurs. Their yeah. belief is the most unwavering. And people follow that belief. If you have that belief and you want people to to line up and join your team and be part of that cause you know, work on your belief, do the, do the small steps to get you that belief and then really, you know, really believe that. Yeah. I mean, think about it in the politics, which I don't even care about really or follow much, but the politicians that believe in themselves and have the most confidence usually get to the last final one or two. That's, you know, in the race for the presidency or whatever. Yeah. You look at Donald Trump, like that guy's got so much belief in himself, whether you hate him or love him or whatever. It's like, he is getting the most attention in the world, uh, or in the U.S., I guess, for, yeah, for the news, in the world. And uh, he just doesn't waver. He doesn't care what anyone thinks. He believes in himself that he can make it happen. Yeah. And he's building a movement around that belief and staying true to whatever it is that he believes. So, No doubt. No doubt. You know, and politicians, you know, they're – I don't have the highest respect for most politicians. And I've noticed them playing games with belief. They all mm -hmm. say now, at a certain point, it shifted in the debates. Everybody started saying – when I am president. Really? Like if you ask them when I am president is what they'll all, what they'll all Smart. say, right? Smart. But it doesn't read authentic for most of yeah. these guys because they've had someone coaching them to say that. And yeah. they, don't they don't believe really it. believe it. Like that's the, that's what people call the bullshit detector. Yeah. You know, it's like that thing's going off. There's gears flying off that one. Yeah. When Ben Carson when is saying when, when I'm president. When you have 3% poll ratings or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like... When I'm president. Really? Jeb Bush? Really? <laughs> you know, like, I don't think so, buddy. Yeah. Like, you don't believe that. I don't believe that. What kind of game are we playing here? <laughs> exactly. You know, so, you know, you got to be careful. There is that a little bit of that fake it till you make it, but it's got to be genuine because yeah. people, you know, people will detect if you're just putting on airs. And that's, that's that line where it becomes cocky, you know, like, co like Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Cocky. She was super cocky and exactly. talking trash yep. in a negative way. It's hiding some kind of insecurity, you know, then that insecurity was probably that shit. My team may not be really that good, you know, or maybe right she now. can beat me or maybe she or was maybe, a better striker. Maybe there are, or... maybe there are matchups that are different. And, you know, the great thing is this gives an opportunity for her to learn, you know, exactly. and, and I have a, immense faith in Rhonda because she is a great champion, yeah. you know, but she'll figure it out. And she does have some good people on her team. Mike Dolce is on her team, oh, there you, go. you know, so she's got some good pieces to that. She's just got a, you know, sort out these other pieces and, you know, a great champion will, 
adapt. And, yeah. you know, I think that's obviously, there's a lot of other things that we could add on there, but sure. another thing is great champions adapt, Yeah, absolutely. you know, like you put them in uncomfortable situations, they'll figure it out. Yeah. And, and a lot of that is belief, belief that, oh, this is a weird spot I'm in, like Conor McGregor. Oh, this is bad. I have a, you know, partially torn knee and I'm on my back and this dude is bouncing elbows off my head and I have blood trickling on my face. Not optimal. Doesn't yeah. matter. Doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. It's all part of the plan. Wow. You know? So I, I think that's important and you just adapt and you get up and, and you figure out the way to do it. You know, yeah. belief leads and then, you know, you just have to have faith that you'll find a way. Yeah. I love it. Is Rhonda going to come back and fight again? Or you want yeah, to? I think I'm sure she will. You know, I, I think yeah. she's, uh, she's such a great champion in both, not only MMA, but in judo prior, you know, yeah. that, uh, that she'll be back. She'll find a way, but it's, yeah. you know, it, this creates the drama. You know, this is one of the reasons why the sport is so compelling. And what about when you do lose? Because there's some champions that fight back and get back to that place of belief, but other champions don't have, can't get the belief back when they lose that big. Yeah. That's something you see very, very common. I mean, you could even see it with Tyson. I mean, Tyson was that belief machine. You know, mm -hmm. he, people, his belief was so strong and he was so scary that people believed that they were going to get knocked out. Sometimes even grazing blows would knock people out. They're he so would like scary. barely touch him. They were so, oh, Tyson hit me. His glove touched my head. That means I'm going out. Amazing. You know, so, so it worked <laughs> such a weapon. But then, you know, Ty Buster Douglas beat him, you know, even though there was that questionable standing, standing ten eight count, count 10 whatever. count or whatever. Um, but he beat him. And then from there, things got a little squirrelier. That belief, instead of being at 100, was down somewhere in the 90s. And then there was a gap. And then other people had belief. Mm -hmm. you know. And then that's a difficult thing to recover from. But, yeah. a, but a great champion will, you know, once again, realize that all outcomes are possible. But I believe 100% that this is going to happen. And being okay with the fact that if you believe 100% and you're wrong, oh, I was wrong. That's cool. Mm -hmm. I learned some things. That's why. You know, and, and, and being humble about that, that loss, like, it's not like I have to be this to be the, cha I have to win every time I have to be at a hundred to be the champion. You know, it's just like, how do I get back there? How do I get back to this state where I really believe mm. my best? And it's not that they don't have fears or don't have doubts, but they work through them like John Jones did. They get to that point where, you know, for John to have his belief where it was for that fight. He had to indulge all of these fears and he had to indulge all of these doubts and not push them away like, ah, oh, fears and doubts, that's going to take me down. No, no, no. Go into that. Right. Like push towards those resistances, push towards those obstacles. You know, like Ryan's book will tell you like, oh, yeah. what's the obstacle? You know, go through the other side of that. Don't be afraid of that. Yeah. That's what's going to build your belief. Sure. I love it. Well, a couple final questions uh, before we get into them. You got a new site coming out yourself? Yeah, just completely redid AubreyMarcus.com. So okay. there's a bunch of cool uh, different things on there. Some binaural beats, which is a cool technology, helps uh -huh. with uh, brainwave entrainment. So it can get you into like deep meditation or uh, hyper focus just sure. from these auditory cues. Um, got a guided meditation up there now. So, you know, meditation is one of those things that's really hard for people to get into because it's like mm -hmm. going someplace you've never been before yeah. without a map. You know, like, what the hell? Just right. not think about things for a while? <laughs> like, I don't get it. Exactly. You know? So a guided meditation has really helped me. And I, I put together some of the best, um, you know, best techniques that I've found from a variety of different sources, put it together in one. Mm -hmm. um, that's free on the site. And just, you know, different information and videos, different podcasts. ideas. Videos, podcasts, the whole yeah. thing. So, yeah, definitely check out AubreyMarks.com. Cool. We'll have that linked up. Um, also check out onit.com slash Lewis to check out the quiz 
uh, and all the other products that on and off offers. And I don't know if I asked you this the last time you came on. You came on, it was like probably a year and a half ago or something, right? Yeah, it was a while. So I'll ask three final questions. Um, one is, what are you most grateful for recently? Oh, man. I've had, I've been more filled with gratitude recently mm-hmm. than ever in my life. You know, and it's, everything has come together. It's so, I, I would have to say I'm grateful for the universe. Just grateful for this opportunity to apply knowledge and skills and and to play in this grand video game you know mm-hmm. it's like it's we crazy. all got together and put together the most awesome video <laughs> game possible you know and it's a video game that's so cool that in the video game we can create other video games that are actually video games <laughs> you know it's funny. like it's just this amazing amazing experience here and, and i get to lead this beautiful company with mm. 85 beautiful people that i show up at work with i got a beautiful partner amazing friends i mean I'm just so grateful for everything. Mm-hmm. And, and it's one of the things that really, you know, inspires me to to do what I do is just absolute gratitude. Mm, love it. Uh, second question is, if you had uh, three things you could write down, it's your last day, and everything you ever created was erased from time. Mm. All your work, your podcast was gone. The new book you have coming out, gone. And there's a piece of paper that said, Aubrey's Three Truths to Life. You know, one, two, three, and this is what you got to share with the whole world, your family, the three lessons that you would pass on, and that's all that people would know about you. What would you say? Wow, that's a that's an interesting <laughs> question there, my friend. I like it. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, we're boys. You can give me a heads up for this question if yeah. you knew it's coming. But you can, all right. always, you can always edit it all later. Right. But you know, uh, off the mind, what's, uh, yeah. what's what you're feeling right now? Well, I think one of the most important life lessons is that <laughs> the future is always unknown. That's a fact. It's unknown. So we're faced with a binary choice about how to approach that future. You can approach that future with fear or you can approach that future with faith. And it's mm-hmm. a simple binary choice. You know, the future is unknown. You can do your best to prepare and premeditate and think about all the ways to put yourself in an advantageous state. But at a certain point, you just have to realize things are out of your control. And your attitude toward that will absolutely color the enjoyment of your life. It'll color how much love you feel. It'll color how much happiness you have. And it's a simple choice. Again, that mental override. I'm going to choose to have faith that it's going to work out. Everything's going to be all right. right. No matter what happens. No matter what happens, it's all going to be good. Because guess what? We're all here right now. We're all listening to this. And we're all right. Yeah. No matter what, we're all right. And most of these terrible things, we look back and say, you know, I'm, I'm pretty grateful for those terrible yeah. things because I learned something from it. But despite that track record of batting a thousand, you know, hitting everyone <laughs> and having something valuable, we'll still look at the near future with fear, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh man, I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. And that closes down the heart and that sucks away our joy. So just choosing to have faith, doing your work, preparing for all the outcomes and then letting it go with faith. Like mm-hmm. no matter what, it's okay. going to be all right. That's number one. That's number one. I would say number two is, you know, we talked about it a lot, and that's um, cultivating mental override. You know, the ability to take control of your mind and utilize choice. And it goes, again, fear, you know, faith over fear is one of those choices. But that ability to just do the things that you know are going to benefit you the most. Yeah. You know, and, you know, whether that's something for your health or whether that's something for, you know, whatever that might be. Let's say it's an addiction that you have, you know, a lot of times it feels good to shuck the responsibility of that and say, oh, that's a disease. I need to go to this program. And, and all of those things are great. And I realize the challenge therein. But if, for, if you've cultivated your own mental override to such a degree 
you can override these impulses. You can override these rationalizations. You can override all of these things that are coming up. I mean, to smoke a cigarette, you have to put flame to the cigarette and put it to your mm -hmm. mouth. Who's in control of your arm and your hand? <laughs> like you are. Right. Like there is a certain point where we can take back mental override and just mm -hmm. say, uh-uh, uh-uh. I am in control. Mm -hmm. I am not I am not a victim to all of these other forces. I'm not a leaf in the breeze. I'm an oak. Mm -hmm. And my roots go deep and I decide. You know, and I, and I think that's a real key to to getting the most out of life. Is just decide, you know, taking back our ability to choose. Mm -hmm. That's two. That's two. And number 3 would be uh find your way to access your higher consciousness, you know, whatever that thing is that transcends the mind, that essential you, that the highest self, the thing that in my belief system survives beyond this life and beyond death, like access that force, the force that animates life itself. And there's a ton of ways to do that. But um, I think that's one of the most important things. And that's at the root of spiritual practice and that can be religious or it can be not religious but mm -hmm. really it boils down to consciousness accessing that that part of you because that's as much a part of our birthright here is to be spiritual beings in this physical body so find your way meditation float tanks fasting mm -hmm. binaural beats shamanic breath work holotropic breathing you can find out more information about this on my site if any of these things are foreign um, the plant medicines have been big allies for me there's all kinds of ways that you can get there or the simple one of you know being out in nature mm -hmm. just allowing yourself to be still you know accessing that the greatest part of yourself i think to me those are the those are the three most important mm -hmm. things that i can come up with i love it i love it okay one final question which i think you answered before before i ask I want to acknowledge you, Aubrey, for coming on and sharing your wisdom of these principles. Thank you. And I also want to acknowledge you for speaking your truth. And, you know, we talk a lot about this, but you're always speaking your truth, even when it's scary and uncomfortable. And I acknowledge the fact that you lead the way and you follow your heart with whatever that is for you. And you don't try to do what everyone else tells you to do. And you really see the world and the way that you want to make it. And then you go out and do it. So I want to acknowledge you for that Thank gift you, of being a leader for so many people with following their truth. Thank you, brother. Yeah. You know, I feel like when you're as blessed as I am and you're as grateful as I am, that's the greatest service that I can be mm -hmm. to everyone else is to genuinely express what's going on for me, my yeah. own struggles, my own successes, you know, allow these things that will be breadcrumbs to a trail that somebody else can right, take right. And to help optimize them. It's, it's the only thing that makes sense to me. And it's the overriding mission that I have part. I'll be in the totos for the good of all. And to, to really be part of that mission, you just got to lay it out there. You yeah. know, even if you take some arrows, even if, even <laughs> yeah. if some things get weird, you know, to yeah. really be of service and be willing to yeah. just, just lay it out there and say, this is what's worked for me. And, um, you know, I hope some other people get some benefit from that. Yeah. I love it, man. Final question. What's your definition of greatness? You asked me this before. It'll be interesting to see yeah. like what, how this definition has changed. Mm -hmm. But, um, my definition of greatness is, absolutely accessing our own inherent potential you know like there is no external definition of greatness greatness you know one of the greatest people i know is the person who cleans the office for on it his name's jaime and his wife and they yeah that's not an illustrious job that's mm -hmm. not the ceo seat that's not the chief marketing officer you know but he's doing something and he's doing it with passion and he's doing it with love and he's doing it 
with the full force of what he's what he's able to do you know so he's great you know that is a great that is a great actualization of a human being you know and, and there's no external thing yeah he's cleaning toilets he's you know cleaning shelves he's doing laundry he's doing these different sweaty things. mats sort of sweaty thing. mats yeah he's doing all of that stuff and you don't usually equate that to oh you think oh athlete or ceo or whatever but for him he's accessing you know a potential that he has to be great at that thing and somebody has to somebody has to do that and most people do it as like oh i'm not really that into it but for him he just embraces it fully and just goes all right awesome and maybe that'll change maybe yeah. he'll and maybe some other thing will allow him to access an even greater potential but for each person like really accessing what their own potential is for happiness optimization whatever that is and forgetting the external forgetting the external ideas there's no number there's no amount of likes on social media there's no amount of dollars there's no amount of accolades from friends and family and certificates you put on your wall that create greatness right. it's just about are you doing what you're capable of doing uh -huh. with your mind with your consciousness with your body and if you're on that path doesn't mean you have to be perfect but if you're on that path to me you're great mm -hmm. and i'd love to take a seat and learn from you Aubrey marcus thanks for coming on man for sure my brother always sure. a pleasure this there you have it, guys. Thank you so much for joining me today. If this was your first experience on the School of Greatness podcast, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. I would love for you to go to iTunes right now and click the subscribe button. We've got so many great previous episodes, and we've got some incredible guests coming up. That's right, some big names that you're going to want to make sure to listen to. This is all about how to achieve greatness in your business, your life, your relationships, your body, uh, in every aspect of life, giving back, spirituality, that's what we dive into, the deeper questions, the curiosity of life on how we can apply this for ourselves to be great. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Make sure to check out the show notes at lewishouse.com slash 273 and share this with your friends. Also, a big shout out to our new sponsors, again, Thrive Market. Thrive Market is an online shopping club that's selling organic, non-GMO foods and non-toxic household products for up to 50% off retail. I'm telling you guys, this is the future. This is where shopping is going. It's easy. It's cheaper than going to Whole Foods or your grocery store. You're getting the organic stuff, all the same stuff, much cheaper, 25 to 50% off retail, and it's delivered to you. You don't have to go out and get it. This is awesome. It's online shopping, and you get the first month free and 20% off your first purchase. Just go and try it out and get 20% off. You're going to save money on organic products just by doing it. Go to thrivemarket.com slash Lewis to get 20% off. I highly recommend you go and try it for yourself. You're going to love it. Again, thrivemarket.com slash Lewis to go sign up right now. Also, a big shout-out and thank you to Organifi. If you guys don't have my book yet, I'm telling you, go get a bottle or a few bottles of Organifi. Go to lewishouse.com slash Organifi. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I. Again, lewishouse.com slash Organifi. And use the coupon code when you check out Lewis. You're going to get 20% off your order. And also the first 500 people are going to get my book shipped to them for free. That's right. They're going to ship you a book. If you're one of the first 500 people, they bought a bunch of them for this deal it's a no-brainer. So if you don't have my book yet, make sure to go to lewishouse.com slash Organifi. 
sign up for a bottle. You're going to get the book for free. It's an incredible deal, and you get 20% off with the code LEWIS. Thank you guys again so much for being here. Big shout-out and thanks to my new sponsors, which I'm super pumped about because I use the products. I only bring on sponsors to the show that I actually use myself, that I believe in, that I think benefits people and optimizes your body, your mind for greatness. So I hope you guys check them out and enjoy them as much as I do. And again, share this page, lewishouse.com slash 273. If you have a friend that wants to be a champion, send them this link. Email it to them. Say, hey, my buddy Lewis told me to send you this, that you would love it. Make sure to check it out. Share this on social media. I love you guys. You know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. frustrating is it when you move into a new home and you're excited to settle in and furnish it but then you're waiting weeks on end sometimes even a whole month for your new furniture to finally ship to you have you met all modern all modern brings you the best of modern furniture and they deliver it for free in days not weeks yep that's right they deliver it in days waiting weeks for your order to arrive isn't ideal especially when you've just moved get your sofa asap from all modern and sit comfortably while building out the rest of your space. That's Modern Made Simple. At All Modern, you'll find only the best of modern styles, from Scandi to mid-century and minimalist to maximalists. Every piece is hand-vetted for quality and designed for real life. Shop the best of modern outdoor furniture, timeless decor, and everything in between. Find timeless designs in every style that fold function and fun all in one. From small decor swaps to full room revamps, All Modern has you covered. Shop online at All allmodern.com or visit them in store in Linfield or Dedham, Massachusetts or in Austin, Texas. Welcome to Nada Yada Island. This season on Nada Yada Island. When we were new, they spoiled me. They even gave me a phone. But then, it's like I didn't exist. Don't take Yada Yada from your wireless carrier. Now with Metro, get that new customer feeling again and again. Introducing Metro Flex. Free 5G phones when you join, same deals as new customers when you stay. Only at Metro by T-Mobile. Just bring your number and ID and sign up for an eligible plan. After 12 months, trade in and get our best deals on select devices.